From 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is the Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And here's your host, WUWM Content Manager, Ellie Ellis. Thanks for joining us today on the UWM Chancellor's Report. I'm Ellie Ellis. I'm joined today, as I am each month, by UWM Chancellor Mark Money. Hi, Mark. Hey, Ellie. How are you? Great. It's great to see you today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good. Um, today, we welcome Chia Vang. Chia is the Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at UWM and a professor of history. Thanks for being with us today, Chia. Thank you for having me. Uh, And we also welcome David J. Pate. David is the Associate Professor and Chair of the Department of Social Work at UWM. David, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Doctors Vang and Pate co-edited Telling Our Stories, A History of Diversity at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, 1956 to 2022. The book was launched at a September 27th event. So I'm wondering, uh, what prompted the creation of a book about UWM's diversity history? I'll start on that one. You know, there have been many great books written about UWM, several important histories, uh, but none of them really paid any uh, direct attention to the incredible contributions of the aspects of diversity that are so important to UW-Milwaukee. We're the only research and access university in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, We're dedicated to that. It's part of our DNA. And so when Vice Chancellor Emerita, Joan Prince, brought this idea forward to me, uh, and we reflected on it, it took me all of about a minute or two to to really jump on board. So that was the impetus uh, for, for this book. And we're just so thrilled that Professors Vang and Pate stepped up and, and were so willing to co-edit, do all the heavy lifting that was necessary to get this uh, amazing book written. So that's kind of the background on it. How would you describe the status of equity in the greater Milwaukee area and across the state? Generally speaking, what challenges and opportunities have you seen? Uh, I'll start on this one, but I know that uh, both both uh, professors Pate and Vang will have much to say on this. Um, I I will tell you the state of equity is sorely lacking in in my view, and that's backed up pretty well by a number of uh, very telling statistics. I think that that we have uh, in front of us today uh, many great disparities when we think about equity across our region. We think about uh, the the information that came out in the last few weeks about achievement scores uh, at fourth, eighth grade, 12th grade levels. We continue to see great disparity in graduation rates, um, K-12, college and beyond. We see income, home ownership, health outcomes, uh, access to healthy food, lifestyles, longevity, any number of uh, indicators, and we see significant inequities. So um, that's that's a challenge and, and one that I'm really uh, delighted that UWM is, is really in the middle of, of uh, really working on solutions and, and, and helping to address that. But whatever we are doing, we need to do more and we need to have uh, many, many other collaborative partners. I think um, to really think about the, the opportunities in front of us in that area, there's a whole list of things that I'd go down, but I'd love my colleagues to, to weigh in also in terms of how they see the status of equity in this region. You know, Chancellor, you you hit the, um, you know, the, the is it the nail on the head? Is that the right term? Okay, thank you. English is my second language, just so you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the education disparity, you know, I just attended the Summit on Poverty with, you know, um, the, the various groups in the community that hosted that. And, 
you know, it is mind boggling all the issues that you brought up. Those are, you know, they continue to challenge us. Um, and, and, and as I think about it, I think education is really, you know, the, the place, right? Broadly defined, not just for your degree. We know there's other ways that people can really, um, you know, build their own capacity to help themselves. But um, yeah, so education disparity to me is one of the key factors in, in whether we have opportunity or not, because education allows us to enter many spaces and education also is a one of the biggest indicators for social mobility. So I, I think that's an area that um, I, I lose sleep over often uh, because we try our best to support students. But that's an area that I think um, every day, you know, we, we are making some progress, but we continue to struggle about how to make it equitable and how to make sure that all students, all families have access to quality education that really defines where they can go in, in their life. And if I can just follow up very briefly, the whole issue of equity is a, is a concern. As, you, as UWM, uh, as NPR recently reported, um, Wisconsin is last in reading and math scores that recently came out. So, you know, of course, as a university, I'm sure we're going to feel some of the challenges that these future students will have in terms of trying to go into STEM. Um, we're very behind in math, particularly for Black students, but at the same time, we have very strong uh, reading and math scores for white students in the state of Wisconsin. So I do think that um, as what we're trying to do as a university, from what I see, is really trying to deal with some of those inequities early on, but also with, there are some challenges that because of COVID, we'll have to deal with it and, and hopefully be able to remedy in our work as scholars and as teachers. Thank you. So Chia, you are the Vice Chancellor for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at UWM. How do you approach collaboration with DEI? You know, that's a really good question because, um, you know, I often think, take time to reflect about this work. And um, I, I want to really say that I consider it a, a real privilege to be doing this work, to serve in this role. Um, I think that advancing equity, diversity and inclusion, these are things that um, have always been a part of what I do professionally and personally. I really believe that those of us who are alive today, we are the beneficiaries of the hard work of those who came before us. Uh, but, but really parallel to that experience is that we also have inherited uh, policies and practices and, and um, you know, things that continue to make it more difficult for some groups to thrive than others. So my approach to DI work on our campus is that I am, as the vice chancellor for DEI, I am a facilitator of DEI efforts at, at UWM and, and our community partners. As the chief diversity officers, I think it's my job to bring people together to create a more equitable uh, and inclusive campus. But I also really believe very strongly that it's not just my job. And so uh, it's important for all units, uh, individuals, as well as units and programs to also do their part in making those areas a, a you know, um, uh, you know, supportive environment for everyone who's involved on this campus. So I'm not alone. I think it's everyone's job. DEI work should be part of everyone's job description, in my opinion. But as the chief diversity officer, it's my job to, you know, lead and support and facilitate all of the efforts. I can't do it alone. No, you can't. Uh, I'd like to start with David for this one. Uh, what did you learn while working on the book? Any surprises? Um, I learned I have lots of patience. That's what <laughs> I learned. Um, but also, I, I learned that uh, 
you know, that there's a, there's a diverse amount of, of uh, contributions that I wasn't aware of from the fact that our LBDTQ work has been around for over 50 years and the fact that um, the, those who, were, who identify as Hispanic have also had some of the same conflicts that those who identified as Black or African Americans uh, were saying they wanted to be represented in a way that they weren't represented before and how the university responded to that conflict that occurred at that time. But, you know, as, as, my, as someone who studies conflict and social welfare policy, you know, nothing changes unless there is conflict. Um, in a way that's going to be better off. And that it was very clear that many of the chancellors at the time responded in a way that was very positive, that allowed for the university that we have today in terms of the very the very broad and very um, colorful display of who represents our university. So I learned, uh, and also I was very surprised, I didn't know that we had a Black chancellor until I did this Hmm. Um, I realized that Ernest Space was also a member of the faculty that I'm a part of, which is a school of social work. Um, I am the holder of the Ernest Space Fellowship. Um, I've had that for now over 15 years, but I didn't even know Ernest Space was black, to be honest, until I did this book. Um, and I didn't realize how much Ernest Space had really contributed to um, many departments um, in many ways. Um, everybody we talked to would mention his name. So that was one of the biggest surprises for me, the whole, the value and the contribution of Ernest Spates, um, but also the contributions of many people um, that I just was not aware of. Mark, any surprises for you? Well, I think uh, David picked up on one that I'd, I'd like to reinforce this concept of whether you call it conflict, tension, uh, adversity, uh, the the history uh, that that I was able to, to read about and, and you know, I, I will, you know, just continue to express great appreciation for the the contributing authors and especially David and Chia for their role in, in marshalling uh, the, the individuals to do a lot of heavy lifting that really pulled back the curtains on a lot of the, the conflicts that, that existed at the time, a lot of the tensions and the silver lining that came through from that, which was oftentimes our response and how the university today is much better. We haven't resolved the issues. We're still needing to do much work. And so I think that's also a powerful uh, lesson or, or learning from, from this book to me, which is that uh, this is a journey. Uh, as society has changed, as our world uh, changes, we continue to, to need to be uh, ahead of that. And as much as we've been responsive, as Professor Pate outlined, I'd love us, and, and this is what uh, Vice Chancellor Vang is leading today, love us to be proactive and, and really anticipating uh, where folks are at. There's so much that our students tell us they need. Are we listening? Are we really listening? Are we putting students front and center uh, to, to really help address those needs? That That's the sensitivity I, I think that really I have a greater appreciation for. Uh, so as much as I look back at history and, and, and try to learn from that, you know, it also is a good blueprint for going forward to say, boy, there's a lot we can continue to do. The other thing that I learned is just the amazing contributions of so many people, many of whom are still here today. And that's what's neat about it. I think a lot of the individuals who were interviewed, they're the, the big contributors. So I'm really glad that we did this book when we did it, because in 10 or 20 years, a lot of those sources and, and those individuals who are uh, truly the, the pillars uh, upon which we built uh, won't, won't be able to, to uh, share those stories the same way. Thank you. And then, Ali, I would just add that um, 
I agree with Dr. Pate about patience. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a historian and I've written, you know, five books by myself. I co-edited one. So I learned from the last um, editing of a volume is that you really have to have patience, right? And I was, I promised myself I would do it again. But when this opportunity came up, I said, oh, no problem. I, you know, <laughs> got a good team. We can do it. But patience was really important. And I, I want to say that in terms of some things that I learned is that you can't predict what kind of environment we'll be in, right? We, we started this project, you know, I, you know, David and I were pretty ambitious. Well, we can do this in a year, right? That's a long time. Mm. But then we had a little problem. We had a pandemic and, you know, it was ourselves, our colleagues, people were struggling. We couldn't get things. So, so patience was, we were tested in ways that we didn't envision we would be. And I, I think that was important, but I also want to mention that, um, you know, Chancellor Limoni, we, we went to this project we knew that if we wanted to talk about all the problems, we would have four volumes, right? All the problems that we still, you know, com are confront our society and our campus. But we wanted to really focus on positive contributions. And that in itself, I found, I was a little bit afraid that, oh, how are we going to find all these positive contributions? Because they're not always obvious, as, you know, Dr. Pate already mentioned. But as we dug deeper into the work, there was... Chancellor, you're right. There's so many people, individuals and groups who helped to make UWM the wonderful university it is today, despite, you know, all the challenges we have. So I, I was pleasantly surprised of how much we uncover, not just us, but the co-authors, the authors who really took this very seriously and everyone who participated. They care so much about making sure the areas that they were working on uh, were, were reflected of the, the experiences. So that was very positive for me. Excellent, thank and you. Ellie, I'm sorry, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt, but one thing too that, that Chia said I thought was really important for me is that I really learned, that, you know, one of the things I teach in my class is that many black men were not able to take advantage of the GI Bill. Mm. But I learned at UW-Milwaukee, they did. You know, one of our first graduates was a black male in the School of Education, and he used the GI Bill to do that. And so just uncovering, so you always hear that negative, and I, I don't know if it's a negative, but it was just really nice to be able to say in this experience at UWM, our first black graduate male was a person who was a veteran who was able to use the GI Bill. And that's really commendable. You know, that's so for me, that was also very fulfilling. And I think his name was Robert Smith, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I said it right. But he was um, he's also became someone very important in our school and in, in, in later years. But again, that's some, that was one of the things I forgot it was also one of the initial like aha moments for me that I was very excited for why I did the book. Oh, that's really great. You're listening to the UWM Chancellor's Report. My name is Ellie Ellis. I'm here with Chancellor Mark Money and with Chia Vang and David Pate. They co-edited Telling Our Stories, A History of Diversity at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, 1956 to 2022. Thanks for joining us today. So uh, this book describes how the university was pushed to improvements by complaints about racial and gender bias and opportunities to meet changing dem uh, demography of student populations. Tell us more about that. I'm going to start with Chia, please. Yeah, well, what we learned about um, how, you know, policies and actions change because of racial and uh, gender inequities through this project is, is actually not unique to UWM, right? We're not unique. Uh, the campus is part of a, you know, the larger uh, social and political transformations that were taking place in the 60s and 70s. So we were part of that larger, um, those transformations. 
um, at the time, you know, many women in minoritized communities, you know, wanted access to education. And I think um, you mentioned Ernest Bates and others who created programs that would allow students who, who may not be completely ready to enter college to be able to have a chance. And those are very important. Uh, when students arrived on campus, we we saw the the advocacy work that Latino students and Black students and American mm-hmm. Indian students were, you know, fighting for at that time. Again, they're not unique because it was happening all over the country. But in this campus, they were very much um, in front and center. And I think women, as we learned from the women's chapter, uh, women also really want a, a place at the table and, and access to. Uh, education and support on campus. So um, that was really important. And I think as the many chapters illustrate, you know, they were, many students were at the forefront of, of uh, you can call it demanding, protesting, asking um, for, um, you know, important things to happen on campus for themselves. But as David mentioned earlier, it was key leaders, faculty, and key administrators who said, yes, we would do that. It's difficult, but we're going to take a chance and we're going to create these, you know, centers. We're going to create these offices to to make sure that uh, students who are bilingual could have access, to make sure that, you know, African-American students who may have lived all their whole life in Milwaukee, but may not have stepped foot on the Ubrahman campus. When they come, we want them to feel that they're part of this community too. So it was a collaborative effort. I think it's not just we can't say students did this and that's why we have it or you know it was all administrators as David said you know we struggle and then we use the struggles to do something better for our community and also at the break um I, I did look up the name I want to correct the name was Robert Harris because hmm. Robert Harris has been a valuable contributor to our university I don't want do not want to forget his name correctly but I want to follow what Chia said as well you know, and that the, the, it was a magical time. I don't know if that's the right word people would say for the 60s and 70s, but it was a magical time for women, for people of color, um, for veterans. It was, it was a magical time to be really pushing the envelope to say that you needed something different. And then to be in an academic setting, what's, what, what, a, what a perfect place to be able to push the envelope and to try and see if this is what's going to make a difference for students to be comfortable and succeed and be the best they can be. Because it is a time of growth and challenge and exploration and I think the university is that place all the time and I really felt that I had to admit when I was reading these chapters and talking I, I interviewed over 30 people for just the chapter I did and I was jealous of the fun they had it was not fun fun but it was fun that they were having change happen right in front of them at at, a, at present time because of their actions and I, I think change is a little bit harder now than it was then um, because we all have to embrace it in a different way. But then everybody embraced it. Faculty, administrators, they may not have been happy about it, but they embraced it to the point where that change made a difference. Mark, do you have anything to add? Well, I guess I'd try to just put a, a sharper point with a real quick summary. I think the dynamics that that we've seen and what was just described is how, you know, as the world changed, uh, we we have evolved and I'm really proud of UWM's evolution and the way we have responded. I, I think that, um, you know, the, the point of this is that tension uh, does create action. That's good. Uh, and there's more room uh, to go. <laughs> so that's kind of how I would uh, summarize uh, this. So, so I'm really proud of what we've done, how we've, how we've engaged. Um, but boy, do we, we uh, just have to keep, keep moving along as society continues to change. 
So we've been talking about history, but there's still concerns about issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion here. What did publishing the book accomplish for UWM? More broadly, what progress has UWM made? Let me start with that one. I'll take first just a quick look back in terms of what the book did in terms of accomplishments. You know, I I think it really drew a line for me uh, in my role. And and I've been here now uh, 34 years. And I look at what we've accomplished and I look at at, um, all the things that are in place and I'm really proud of, of, of really significant uh, contributions. So it's a look back. It's great. Uh, but I also know that as a, a, a university that's located in the largest metro area, and going back to our first question with the inequities that exist in society, but in particular in southeastern Wisconsin, we've got a lot to do. We've got a lot in front of us. So there's a lot of steps that are that are in front of us. Uh, we do need more resources. I'll always have to, to point that out in terms of the funding model uh, that, that we have today for public higher education. Uh, I think that we've got to really uh, lay out lay out a, a strong claim for education as a public good. We know that it's the door opener. It's the access to to so many life changing, transformative career opportunities for income for all those things that currently there's inequities around. And then, you know, more specifically in terms of the progress that we've made, uh, there's a number of things that continue. In our next history book, we'll be able to talk about how we're strong as members of the region of choice, Um, not only in terms of signing a commitment to increase the diversity of our employee ranks, but also the leadership and diversification of that is a good thing. Uh, But we're also the talent base with 5,300 students per year graduating from UWM, the most diverse student body in the state of Wisconsin that is in the workplace today and every year. So over the last decade, we've put more than 50,000 people with four-year degrees into to, um, primarily the state of Wisconsin talent pipeline. And over the course of our uh, mere 60-some years, over 200,000 alumni uh, that, that, that are here, 80-plus percent of whom are in the state. So we really are important when we think about the talent pipeline initiative that diversity, or I'm sorry, the Department of Workforce Development has supported to the tune of half a million dollars with the Metro Milwaukee Association of Commerce. UWM is placing over a hundred diverse interns into great leading companies. Uh, We're a great proponent of equity funding where we really need to have uh, significant increases for the work that we're doing. And I could go through a number of aspects about the new uh, forthcoming strategic plan that the UW system, I hope, uh, will will find greater support for us. That's the way the drafts are looking. And I think finally we have to recognize this is a long game. This history that Professors Pate and Bang just completed, you know, that's a look back over the last 60 plus years. but. those things, in, in a way, they look like, you know, oh, it just happened that fast or that easy. Those were years in the making. Many of those struggles were long term and they continue today and they will continue in the future. So I think, you know, recognizing that is an important uh, lesson as well. So, David and Chia, I turn the question to you. What did publishing the book accomplish for WWM? Um, I, I think what that's a good question. What is it? For me, it accomplished, um, I, had, and I don't mean to be facetious here, but it's done. So that's one thing that was accomplished. Uh, it was Sometimes done. you just got to finish. <laughs> yes, I got to finish. Yeah, all good. And it was, but also, um, it. I know that I have talked to so many Black graduates of our school 
who just were who have thanked me so much for telling what they call a love story of their relationship with UWM. Um, from the fact that they were able to go to a club that was held every Thursday night to that they had their own newspaper, that they know the relationships they had, uh, people who helped them get through school. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, but it, it, it just was a, an opportunity to, it, for me to say that I um, feel that my legacy or my contribution to the UWM um, was made because of this book. And I feel very proud of that. So the accomplishment is somewhat personal, but also I feel that people who look like me and talk like me and think like me are able to have their, their story told. And for those who don't look like me, I'm also very happy. I came, I went, I came across um, Ruben, who's in our criminal justice department, and he just came to me and said, thank you so much for that book. It, it was so, it was really very comforting. So I feel very proud of that. So I don't know if that answers the question directly, but it does, it, it was an opportunity for me to be able to give back to a place that's helped my career in a way that I didn't think about too more recently. You know, I um, I always like having David go first because mm -hmm. um, you, you uh, helped me to remind myself that, um, yeah, it's done. And um, there were different moments during the, the writing and research and editing and reviewing everybody's chapter and giving feedback that I wanted to uh, pull my hair <laughs> because it's it was a lot of work. But um, what it means for UWM and maybe what it means for me also is that um, as a historian, I really believe that when people's experiences, right, or their perspectives are not documented, archived, and captured, then nobody will know about them, right? So it's almost as if it didn't exist. So for me, this small book may be very small, and um, it's just a book that I can hold in my hand, but it is the story of many people who walked on this campus, many people who wanted opportunities for themselves and, you know, for others. So for me, publishing this book, we focus, as I said earlier, on the contributions, right? So I think the book accomplished that. Uh, we could do more, uh, but it did exactly that. And I just think that overall UWM has made a lot of progress in terms of research excellence and teaching. And I really, really believe that um, there are individuals who have walked on our campus who are now making dramatic impact in our community, in the country, and in the world, that's very powerful. And for us to have been able to document, you know, some of them, to put them in our history book, like Sacha Nadella, for example, who walked on our campus, got a degree here, and went on to change the world for all of us in so many ways. So really proud to have been able to, to learn and to um, spend that time to, to capture their stories and have them be archive for future generations to understand us. I think that would be an excellent way to end. However, I do think that I have to ask one more question, which is where can listeners find a copy of this book? They can uh, call my assistant, uh, Latana, Latanya Perryman in the Division of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at UW-Milwaukee. Her number is 414-251-8534. She has been wonderful in sending copies to people. They can stop by our office in Chapman Hall 118. Uh, they can also email her, P-E-R-R-M-A-L at uwm.edu. Excellent. Well, Chia Vang and uh, David Pate, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on the Chancellor's Report. Mark Mone, thank you so much for being here with me as always. 
Thank you, Ellie. And I want to thank our guests also. This is mighty special. Love to have your insights here today. And thank you so much for making this book happen. You've been listening to The Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. If you'd like more information, go to uwm.edu slash chancellor.